0: Hello and welcome to the Above Average Podcast, the only AA meeting worth attending and the only refuge for the above average. I'm your host, Lake, and with me as always is my co-host, Tanim. Tanim, how you doing? What's up? Ugh, quarantine, man. Quarantine has got us down. Like, it, quarantine has got us down to the extent that we've had to readjust to uh, not record this in person. So this is uh, this is our first attempt at... Uh, Remote make,
1: podcasting. Yeah.
0: Yeah we're, I mean, uh, yeah, we're online working now.
1: As everyone is, I guess, who are employed now, I guess.
0: Yeah, so far, not so bad. Not so yeah. bad. I get to sit in a comfier chair. We don't have to be stuck in my tiny apartment. So.
1: <laughs> I mean, at, le- at least we don't have like those curfews yet. I mean, cross your fingers, right?
0: That's true. At least we're not in Montreal. But or in I France. Think, I think the... The worst part about this one is like, you you know, before when there was no end in sight, really, um, there's hope to it. But now we know for sure, like, it's not going to get better until like September. So that's like, I don't know, that's... So instead of like having the false hope I could, you know, stop this in April... You know, I, I have to be confronted with the reality of it. Also, I'm too fortunate and healthy to actually get my vaccine. So I'm, I'm going to be one of the last people vaccinated. I think it's
1: later for you. It's like around, I think it's like around December.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Right.
1: So like, yeah, yeah you know, I, you, gotta, I, you have the elderly that are getting there soon and those by
0: age. Yeah, you have, uh, yeah, you have, yeah, because you have people with immune... Compromised immune systems, old people, I guess people in the military who are going to be distributing the vaccines, doctors, frontline um, workers, yeah. Yeah, frontline workers. And then, like, further down the list, like, you know, healthy people who can, like, aren't, like, frontline healthcare workers, but, like, still have to do their work, who are still essential workers and have to do their work in person, like warehouse workers, auto mechanics, gas station people. Um, also,
1: also, I was reading that you—they were talking about the different type of vaccines, and I don't think you can choose which vaccine you get. So you just gotta like hope you get one of the better ones. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> every vaccine helps, right? But there's the Pfizer and the Moderna one that's like ninety-two percent effective, and there's I think the AstraZeneca that's like sixty-two percent effective. So
0: you, yeah, you get what I you get. get. The- the what is it, the Sinopharm one, uh, the Chinese one that's uh, what it, 70% effect, something like that, but it's uh, it's it's way lower, but yeah, no, it's 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 kind of a shame, I think, uh, because you know, and there's still a lot
1: of people who don't want to get the vaccine at all, but I mean, which, that's a I whole mean, whole topic in itself,
0: yeah, no, like, I, I mean. We could we could go on and on about the anti-vaxxer <laughs> thing. And, I mean, you know, the obvious point of it is, like, it, it's not rational. Like, the anti-vaxxer thing is not rational. It's like adults with a fear of needles who want to justify it. When you're a kid, you can just say, like, oh, no, it hurts. I don't want to do it. But, you know, as an adult, you need to come up with a whole conspiracy theory.
1: <laughs> the whole where you get your information from and everything yeah. about... It affects this, or you get sick after a couple of days,
0: or yeah. Maybe. I mean, yeah, like you know, a lot of symptoms of illness is just uh, like you know, regular illness, like uh, colds and such. Is just like a lot of the symptoms is just your immune system dealing fighting, it, yeah. yeah, dealing with it, like you know, you know, the swollen throat, the fever, that sort of thing. So, like, you, you know, if your immune system's like adjusting, uh, or is trying to fight this virus it thinks it has to so it gets the antibodies for it, it Like you, you're going to have a reaction.
1: like Right, and Not not everyone's going to have the same symptoms and reactions to it. Some people will get sick and some people will just not yeah,
0: but have any like, effects. Yeah, generally it's okay if we're, like, you, you know, your risk of the vaccine, the, the point of it all is, like, the risk of getting the vaccine is going to be way less than the risk of actually getting the virus. So, right, and also the vaccine
1: doesn't Make you immune to COVID. It just makes it so that your your body is able to fight it off if you do get it. Just similar how to
0: how the flu shot works. Yeah. Oh, uh, man i I was actually okay. So here here's um here's an ethical question about the COVID vaccine. So as as you know, we have like a vaccine shortage, and the Queen of England uh, was one of the first people to get vaccinated. And you know, a part of me was thinking, you know, fuck you, you the Queen is not going to die of COVID because, like, you know, the Queen could just lock herself away from the peasants and she'll be fine. I mean, she but, yeah. can.
1: She is one of them in that range of the high risk individuals.
0: No, I I know, and that that that's fair. Um, but like, and then, but then, then she also has access to all the healthcare in the world. Like, it, it's like when. Boris Johnson got COVID, like, there's no way he was going to die because, like, it, like I think, like, I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems to me, like, the real risk of dying of COVID is, like, triaging. Like, just that the system will get overwhelmed and uh, won't be able to deal with everyone, so you'll die because the doctors have to deal with someone else. Uh, whereas that's not going to happen to the Queen or Boris Johnson. Right. Um, I mean, they have more resources than like, people. Exactly. Who do. Like, uh, you know, leaders just don't die. Like, remember Robert Mugabe, the president of Zimbabwe? So, like, he lived until he was ninety something. I think ninety six. Um, I'm actually just gonna look it up right now. <laughs> um, right. Robert Mugabe. So, uh, Robert Mugabe lived until he was. 95. Okay, so really old. And he uh, was pretty senile by the time he died. But he didn't die in Zimbabwe. He died in Singapore, like getting medical treatment. Right. Yeah. And apparently, the, one thing I want to talk about at some point is um, African dictators have actually led the way in remote working because a lot of them, uh, not a lot of them, but a couple of them, uh, Live in places like Singapore or London, and have the best phone... healthcare. Exactly, have the best healthcare, and just phone in being president. So right. Mugabe they, was kind of being president they, from Singapore. They're the original remote workers. Exactly. <laughs> See the. I think it's the president of Benin uh, was living in Paris the whole time, and uh, the current president of Nigeria was, was spending most of his time in London. Ostensibly for cancer treatment, but I mean, you can't really like if someone stages a coup against you and you're in London. Like, yes, you'll get kicked out of power, but you know, you'll already you're be still alive. Exile. Yeah, right. exactly. Because like, if these guys escape, they all go into exile to London anyway. So it's it's just it's just a funny state of affairs that <laughs> you can now have like guys remotely ruling a country.
1: Maybe they're protecting their own safety, I guess, and their families. Exactly. Oh,
0: sorry. So that was kind of a tangent. But um, uh, my point with Queen Elizabeth was that, you know, on the one hand, she has access to pretty good health care. So maybe uh, it was a good idea to leave the vaccines for other people first. But on the other hand, they were saying it was good that she got the vaccines because, you know, lots of old British people... We'll see the queen getting the vaccine and think like, oh, if it's good enough for the queen, it's good enough for me. Uh, you right. know, I'm going to I'm going to do as the queen does and uh, get get the vaccine. So like using her power as a as kind of an influencer of the British public uh, to encourage vaccination. So right. And then you know another celebrity was saying like, uh, "I I don't want to get the vaccine first because you know I'm healthy, I have good access to healthcare. I I think it should go to other people first, and then I'll get it. So you don't want to be the test so threats. N- not even that. It's it's more that like, you know I'm I'm pretty healthy, and I don't uh, I'm I'm not a nurse, so like there's so like I definitely don't deserve to get the vaccine first. Um, so like is it more ethical but if i have like influence over a large number of people is it more ethical to like get the vaccine and then um and and demonstrate it to all my followers kind of lead by example or is it more ethical to kind of leave the one vaccine i would take up um for the general right well, i mean a
1: lot of actually a lot of celebrities are in that situation a lot of them can skip the line and get their vaccines but do they do that? I mean, some may have because they can pay right. for it. <laughs> well, they, that's what exactly. But do they want to skip in line and take the like ethical choice and not do that?
0: Yeah, so. yeah, and yeah, like you're saying, it's it's kind of different if you're healthy and you can kind of pay to skip the line. Then it's kind of dickish, but
1: w- which a lot of people have
0: yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. No. But on the on the other hand, I understand. Like, you know, I. I would like my vaccine as soon as possible, but... You know. just got to wait in line. Just got to wait. Wait until October, December. But God. I mean, I'm, I'm glad
1: <laughs> we didn't open things up like they were saying that they would be, because that just repeats what happened before. We opened it up, and people went out, and then the amount of uh, cases went up, and then we locked everything down. Right. I mean, I, I get yeah. it from a business standpoint to, like, keep businesses, obviously, in business that need that money, but city yeah. perspective and, like, getting people sick, if they opened everything up back again, it would have been, again, the same thing.
0: Yeah, like, wh- whether or not, um, yeah, because otherwise we're just fluctuating.
1: Right. And I know a lot of people who, at least in Toronto, are just kind of sick of it, and they would go to, like, Oakville because, like, things are open there or, like, Woodbridge and stuff. And then they would come yeah. back. So they'd be the ones who pretty much would be, like, spreading the virus because they would go there to, like, go to a bar or whatever and come back. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, well, and that's part of the problem. Like, you can't you can't really isolate individual municipalities. Like, you kind of have to... Because everyone would just go there and the they'll whole. come back. Exactly. Well, like, especially if, like you live on the border, like uh, let's say you live on Steeles Avenue where like the South side is Toronto and the North side is like Vaughn and Markham. Right. So in, in that case, like you might already normally go to a grocery store on the York region side of Steeles Avenue. So, you, you know, it's, it, it, I, I don't necessarily think you're doing anything wrong Because, like, a lot of people would just, would do that normally, like, kind of without thinking. But, because it's, like, the boundaries of cities are just arbitrary. Yeah. Like, they're lines in the sand. They're not, like, natural barriers. I I don't know how how they do it, but
1: it's definitely based on population density. Yeah,
0: that, yeah. So, but, what really what I'm saying is, like, you you can't, especially with like the GTA. You can't lock down like one city in the GTA and not the whole GTA. It, like it, I don't think it works. Right, there. everyone's gonna
1: flock to whatever's
0: open, and then yeah, exactly. Like it's uh, th- this this part this segment of it is is difficult because like the end is in sight, but it's far away.
1: Yeah, it's still still work in progress. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll
0: see. But yeah. So now but now like we're gonna have like the full year under lockdown so meaning we've now had every major holiday
1: we're, which is a good not a good sign I'm no probably <laughs> people are going crazy yeah, anyways and now I have, yeah. to, have to celebrate it indoors with either the people yeah. that I live with or uh,
0: no one you know what the worst part about it is i have to be creative <laughs> for 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 holidays so like valentine's day like Normally, I could just say like, "Oh, let's." There's like a million options open to me. I can, uh, I can kind of do a last minute, like, "Oh, let's let's go eat out at this restaurant, go see this movie, go see this." Plan party, it all cetera, out, right? Yeah. Plan it all, and it's easy. But like now, I got to be like creative and do do shit from home. <laughs> what, what, and, you know, what, did you, what did you end up doing this year? I I, I can't do that. Like, well, oh, we we like uh, ordered, I, food. ordered some yeah. stuff in had. Yeah, head candle at dinner, that sort of thing. Yeah, every, everyone's everyone's trying to be creative. Like my mother like one upped me and uh held my stepdad's birthday at a bar. Right. Like but like her um her friends it, like own the bar and it was just them at and the non socially so distant it wasn't bar. Violation. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was just literally just them at the bar, so like yeah. it it was fine. Uh right, so like now now I gotta compete with everyone. I think this it's... is
1: Covid started around March, but wondering how people's Valentine's days went this year. all everyone's got their own opinions on Valentine's Day, if they like it or not. What's what's your thoughts on?
0: I I am I'm uh, extremely against <laughs> Same. it. Same. Uh, it's uh, so from um, to me, it just kind of like represents like the industrialization of relationships, just in the sense that like we create arbitrary social rules to serve like not to serve the health of No, commercial reasons serve, for sure. Yeah, commercial reasons. Yeah, exactly. Like y- you know the whole like the whole wedding ring industry. So like uh I, I between this podcast and the last one I got engaged, I had to buy a wedding ring or a, sorry, an engagement ring and um the gap in what wedding rings cost is insane like like you can get a nice ring for like under like under a thousand bucks like with lab created jewels and that sort of thing and you know still made of gold no no blood diamonds but (laughs) yeah so i i i have a i have a thought on that in a minute but uh uh like a tiffany's ring costs like twenty thousand you gotta
1: spend what was it two three months
0: paycheck yeah, yeah exactly and de beers just <laughs> yeah. made that shit up like they they just said like oh you got so like they're inventing the marketing campaign exactly they're inventing social conventions to serve their bottom line like and, right. and like trying to shame people for not paying the money for overpriced junk they needed a reason for people to buy their jewelry and exactly like three months salary meant fuck you no like you like <laughs> Like, you know how much I make in three, like, you know, I'm, I'm not the highest paid person in the world, but that's definitely more than I would ever spend on jewelry, like by a huge margin, by like an order of magnitude. See, so you mentioned blood diamonds before, and I thought uh, it's probably cheaper to instead of buying a ring, um, go to somewhere in West Africa and <laughs> uh, like pay for the flight there and back go to like Sierra Leone and like find bush diamonds. But then I realized that uh, oh, we get jacked. Yeah. Like I'd have to like drive around the wilderness of Sierra Leone, like waving around a wad of cash They're saying like, hi, is this where the illegal diamond mine is? I want to buy some diamonds. I have lots of cash. Just, <laughs> you, you know, be like the only north american for thousands of miles just with like a loan with a large wad of cash like i looking... sticking
1: their ak's at you
0: exactly so like I, I don't know i feel like that would not go over well especially right. for like because um there's like a whole process of registering legal diamonds like officially like, I, like called like the kimberly process you know to get the big discounts you'd have to go to like an illegal mine to get um like to get the really cheap stuff um like just or, from like dudes and shovels in the backwoods like and they wouldn't necessarily be blood diamonds cuz i think Sierra Leone's civil war is over they're just off the sure they're branded to something else yeah they're off the <laughs> yeah. books diamonds like they're legal they're black market diamonds basically ethically sourced yeah like which may you could argue that though like, you know, because, like, <laughs> right. guys just on their own initiative going into the woods and digging out diamond pits with shovels, that's more ethical than, like, you know, uh, someone
1: forcing them to do.
0: Yeah, or, like, the, or even, like, the legal diamond mines in South Africa where, like, the guys are, like, underpaid and most of the money goes to, like, their white bosses who, like, right. you know, union bust them all the time. Uh, so that's my position. Blood diamonds are, should be legal. Yeah. <laughs> we got pretty good at making lab gems like like really really good so for example uh lab grown sapphires are actually better than uh natural sapphires so i think sapphires are graded in their clarity from a to quadruple a which is kind of bullshit like you know how like they don't want to have like A a low grade, so they call the lowest grade A. Right, so just through association, you're like, oh, it's not bad, it's an A. Exactly, yeah. It's not an F-grade diamond, even though that's what it is. (laughs) Or an F-grade sapphire. It's like Starbucks' thing where they don't call any of the sizes small. They call it like a tall and a grande and a vent. So like all of them mean large kind of thing. It's the same principle, but with jewels. But so, like, all lab-created sapphires are quadruple-A sapphires, which would cost thousands of dollars normally, but they're, like, hundreds of dollars as lab sapphires. There's no reason to, like, and you can't tell the difference. Unless you know that industry's sapphires. Even then, like, the way you know a sapphire is lab-created is it's too clear. Like, the clarity is too high. Like, it's it's too good unrealistic yeah, yeah. yeah like it's unrealistically good which is i don't know i think uh i, I think there's no reason to pay for natural jewels I and mean, you're in
1: the ring biz i mean ring shopping business so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you I probably know better than most i do, yeah recently. i did a
0: lot of i did a lot of shopping on that and i got to like like you know i managed to narrow things down because uh i had a big list of like potential of, like or like preferences just like uh, you know likes this cut not this cut uh wants this color wants these halo gems that sort of thing so it's but um there's so many options for gemstones like you know emeralds peridots aquamarine sapphires rubies uh you ever see alexandrite alexandrite's this crazy black stone with like Shimmers of green and yellow in it, or and red. Oh, it's kind
1: of like, is, is it like onyx?
0: Uh, onyx is like a little more black. Like uh, alexandrite's kind of it, it has more of like a purple sheen to it, uh, like right. a purpley blue sheen. But it—it kind of—it changes color depending on how you look at it. Really pretty. But my point is, is like with all these great gems, I don't know why everyone would pick diamonds, which. You know, are sparkly just the most boring jewels imaginable. Like a Tiffany's ring is just ugh. Like it's just like white gold with a white stone, so it's like, so it's like gray on white.
1: Right. I mean, I think I think also back diamonds were just like the thing you would get. No one knew about other options, just like how everyone wanted
0: gold back in the day. Yeah. Right? Oh, but now, now it's not even gold. Now it's just now it's like right. silvery color. Everyone's got. Everyone's so allergic to color these days. I hate it.
1: Everyone wants their Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah so for
1: uh, Valentine's Day, like, do you feel like it's fairly like one-sided? Do you feel like both people in the relationship well, equally are into it? Or is it more kind of well,
0: one-sided? You know, there's a difference between like um, how society views it and like how me and my partner do it. But me and my fiancé were like, pretty good at sharing things. Like, at her insistence but uh a lot of the financial pressure is put on men like you because like the entire industry operates on shame like and like saying and guilt yeah yeah, shame and guilt but like saying like you are not a real man unless you it's, it's trying to play on this like you're not a real man unless you can provide and you're not providing unless you pay like twenty thousand dollars for an engagement ring kind of thing or like and then
1: on the flip side on the the female like you're not valued or important if you don't have someone doing these things for you exactly
0: and it's meant to like it's really just meant to like shame people for not conforming to it or being in a relationship yeah that too yeah like to be in a relationship at all like you know they have the treat yourself on valentine's day if you're alone stuff like you know it, it's it's all marketing it's all
1: exactly. a huge marketing scam where i mean even you have the, the idea of galentine's day for women who will just buy gifts for their friends and just like oh, that support them because because they feel like oh you know I'm not in a relationship but they also feel like shame and guilt
0: now that and then... is, that is fucking shamelessly made up <laughs> that, is, that is like that is like without a doubt like a guy in a boardroom said, "Like we need to somehow squeeze money from people who aren't in a relationship. All these women are feeling bad that they don't have a Valentine <laughs> to make a
1: make a holiday. It's f- for them only. Yeah, exactly. So it's intertwined. And then now you have um. You also have Palantines, which is like a non-female version of Valentines.
0: So like you you what you get your guy friends presents or some shit. Whoever you associate as a pal. Okay." yeah no
1: just so it's not ginger specific
0: see i I, like which is solely marketing oh a hundred percent like i already like i already give in to enough bullshit of like getting people gifts and i don't like i don't enjoy buying people gifts like it's not that like you know i hate it i not that i hate spending money on other people it's just like I never know what to get people. I never know what's like appropriate and like, y- y- you know, it's
1: right. But also you shouldn't be
0: feel forced
1: and get something, I guess, just because some company makes a universal holiday that kills you into it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, you know, so I, I'm trying to limit myself to Christmas and birthdays. Do something like Chinese New Year's where uh, you know, everyone just gives you a stack of cash <laughs>
1: yeah yeah like just I mean, that's once what a year. they do sometimes That's all christmas
0: <laughs> but like no christmas just like once a year everyone gives each other a stack of cash they also
1: do that for easter too
0: sometimes oh yeah, yeah i guess that's true for people who celebrate it yeah it's why it's why i can't be a practicing jewish guy because <laughs> i can't buy seven different what? gifts like even if the total amount of the gifts costs less than like one big gift for christmas like it's, it's the stress of having to think of seven different things. I'm just yeah. no, I'm uh, I'm not, a, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too. Uh, that's more than anything. It's not the, it's not the cost of the gifts that matters to me. It's the quantity of the gifts. So your quantity over quality. Yeah, exactly. So it, or no, no, the 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 opposite. <laughs> the opposite. Like what I hate is quantity over quality. Right. Like it, it's um. Like the thing that's most that I hate the most is the process of buying the gift, not necessarily financial hit from that. So
1: Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the same way. I'd rather get something something that put some effort into it, even if it's like something made, or made but someone took the effort into doing it.
0: Dude, that that's why I can't get creative on the holidays. That's why I can't deal with this quarantine. I can't <laughs> make things.
1: Well, I mean or just some form of gift that's provides a bit of, you know, shows you you put some thought into it.
0: Yeah, see, it, I don't like putting <laughs> thought into things, so I can't do it. They're pretty inexpensive, too. Yeah. See, that's it's not the cost, it's like... The effort? It's, it's the effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the effort. It's the pressure to be creative. you rather
1: just spend a lot of money and not put the effort into it.
0: Exactly. I can't... Uh, yeah no can't do it can't do it i mean that's
1: why we come from both two
0: different industries (laughs) (laughs) yeah see you get paid to be creative for a living i i get i get paid to do money shit (laughs) right yeah so yeah you know you're probably yeah you can you can have you can be as creative as you want because like this is just what you do but i i'm not i'm not creative like that i don't know how to I'm sure you are in some and Just, I I can be creative in certain things, but like you know, if I have to like manufacture, like think of a thoughtful gift, I I can't do it. I can't. Uh,
1: the Anxiety I can't, spikes. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, no, can't do it. So that that's what I mean. Like it's, uh, that's the worst part, and that's why I hate. Uh, that's why I hate these made up holidays, even if. Like they only require me to get a card. Right. I think. Uh. I think the positive end is like no one's actually keeping track of anything that's not like a statutory holiday. Like statutory holidays, like you know, people have to pass a law about it. But you can just declare any day national blank day. Um,
1: right. But like a group has to kind of go along with it for it to be. Yeah, something. That's true.
0: So, like, I always imagine, like, like, someone was making fun of, like, um, it, was, it was, like, National Menstruation Awareness Day or something like that. And, you know, it was, that's, uh, like, obviously, that's not, like, a legally recognized holiday anywhere. But it was, it was probably, like, the good people at, at Tampax or something decided, like, okay, you know what? We need to make up a holiday. Let's just settle on June because it's not close to any other holiday and uh yeah we'll we'll just take it from there and that and then we'll just run with it right and it's just like whoever in the private sector like starts doing something first then they just become the authority on it it's like how like guinness just or or, um like Guinness just got into world records, and now they're the authority on world records. And then Michelin, the tire company, started making food guides and food rating systems, and they somehow became the go definitive authority yep. on food quality. Yeah, it's it's basically, I think it's just whoever makes it up first, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, not uh, not into Valentine's Day in that sense. Yeah. Just, uh, I need, um, I, I, I don't, I don't care for, um, in, in a similar vein to, uh, um, Forced feelings? Forced? Yeah, diamonds and shit. I, I'm not, uh, I, I, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel like I should be shamed into buying, um. Or not buying. Into paying someone 20, yeah, shamed into paying someone $20,000 just because, like, they made some shit up a hundred years ago. Now that's
1: what you have to do.
0: Sorry. So, uh, um, a thought. Yeah. Um, I've heard that the reason, the reasoning behind expensive get engagement rings is, you know, before women really had careers of their own, uh, the idea is that, like, if your husband died or just left or something, you, you have that clock ring off the ring, and yeah, you have and you have money uh, to take care of your family. I um, mean, um, yeah, that makes sense. Bit. Yeah, because. Jewels are fantastic for you know hawking off in an emergency. Well, they hold their value. Exactly. Well, and and they're small, they don't decay. Like it's a they're they're a convenient kind of alternative currency. Right. Like a like when the Romanovs were fleeing Russia, like they they strapped all the palace jewels to themselves so they could hawk it off and like you know create a new Life for themselves in exile. How much do yeah. male wedding rings cost? Engagement rings. Uh, you also
1: get a ring as well. So, how expensive or unexpensive yeah. are those?
0: Well, uh, let's see. So, um, it, it's they're kind of in like the $200 $500 range. Wow. Um, so there's a so big like, discrepancy. So like kind of a simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's there's quite a big. See, because the thing is, is um, there's no, there's no jewel on it usually. No, nope, no blinged out. Exactly, it's just a band. So it's a
1: right. Well, you can get
0: that all out blinged out with diamonds. Oh yeah, 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 you can. Oh my god, like I'm looking at, a, <laughs> I'm looking at a website right now. And, oh, there's ones that are so tacky, and I love it. Like there's, there's this one that's just got like black onyx, but then it has like jewels of every different color flanking it. It's oh boy it's bad but it's uh, and it's somehow only 300 bucks Wow! I kind of want this horrible <laughs> thing. But, uh yeah so y- y- you could get a tricked out wedding ring but I think like the main thing that costs money on an engagement ring is just the center stone right yeah but then also For like sure. the band
1: might be made out of diamonds too or... yeah
0: yeah that that's or yeah it'll have diamonds in it but like for like a simple men's wedding band, like usually it's just metal right yeah, so it's a uh, I oh mean some of these are like brushed titanium, I kind of want one with like turquoise on it I mean so you, that's, you have the right
1: to ask for it
0: yeah that's uh that's that's what I'm gonna go for i don't I don't want to pay too much money for it just because but I do want to uh, I do want that glorious turquoise I like turquoise oh well,
1: it looks like you're getting a turquoise ring
0: hell yeah if uh, if anyone's listening
1: <laughs> so what's the status with going back to work with your company? has there been any talks oh, so, or
0: yeah that's the thing uh the further along we've gone the less talk there's been so they're just happy with how it is yeah so basically like what's been going on and i'm sure a lot of other workplaces are like this is uh when it when quarantine started, people were like asking, "Oh, when are we going back to work? When are we going back to work?" And they'd say, "Like we're issuing like a stay-at-home, a work-from-home order from like March until the end of May, kind of thing." Yeah. And then they'd extend it, and then they'd extend it, and then finally, um, they just said, "Like we're we're doing this, we're doing the stay-from-home indefinitely, but we'll give you ninety days notice for when um, you actually need to go back to work. Have to go back to work, yeah. So." Which is nice, but unfortunately it did mean I could relocate to Barbados. And just work remotely and live on the beach. <laughs> exactly. I really should have... I mean, it's pretty that. smart for them
1: day, to do that and incentivize going there and working there.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was genius, actually. But uh, I I did not think of it at the time, and then I already signed my lease on my new apartment, yeah. so it's uh now and now it's just gonna be a pain in the ass to move so the thing is i don't want to like if i as tempting as the offer is especially to like live in a country that's cheaper than this one it's actually quite expensive if you're only going to be doing it for a little bit because like you, you just have moving costs and storage costs and that sort of thing but like you know had i started the year had i started this all from scratch and, like, knowing what I do now, I probably would have gone to Barbados had I uh, had I had the opportunity
1: or had I thought
0: of it at the time. Right. But, you yeah, know, smart of them. They probably got some more business because of
1: it. But, again. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know about all restrictions with traveling now. And,
0: yeah. You have to, I mean, that, you have to have one of those
1: jobs it, that actually is capable of doing that, too.
0: Yeah, you'd have to have a remote work job. But, like, it's a. It was a good idea because, like, I'm sure it at least partially made up for the loss of tourism. Somewhat, yeah. Well, uh, I think you'd need you would need fewer you would need fewer full time workers to make up uh, for a tourist because you know they stay longer, like they're more likely to spend money in more places than like a short term tourist. Like a short term tourist like would just really just spend money at the hotel like tipping the waitstaff there buying like, drinks yeah, eating there buying drinks that sort of thing like they uh, especially in like yeah especially if you're going on a resort vacation and uh, apparently cruise ship passengers are the worst because a cruise ship passenger only stays for a couple hours buys a little bit and then leaves but like uh really clogs up the place so the, there's, a, there's kind of been this movement of places that suffer over tourism to kind of get rid of cruise ships because they're like the lowest quality tourists in terms of like they generate the least amount of money compared to how much space they take up. Really? Whereas like long, longer term tourists, if you stay like a week instead of a day, like your odds are you're spending more money at more different places yeah. and like having a better economic impact and and more importantly if you stay longer you're not just going to like the main tourist hotspots so like if you went to paris and stayed for like two days obviously you'd see the louvre the eiffel tower maybe the palace of versailles and notre dame but if you stayed for like a week you might see you might see like smaller museums uh less popular cathedrals that sort of thing so like you'd uh you'd take up less space at the main sites right and allocate your time to like different things yeah and that's actually like a big solution to over tourism is like ironically encouraging people to stay longer because they they take up less space at the places that are traditionally overcrowded and they spend more money at more places and, yeah, just contribute more to the economy relative to how much space they take up. So, how would you convince people to stay longer? Just reduce prices? Uh, you could, uh, one of the solutions, uh, so Venice, uh, Venice uh, was thinking of uh, banning cruise ships. Yeah. Uh, but another thing you could do is you could um, offer like an extended stay discount. Like, not necessarily that you pay less, but you pay less per day. Yeah. You know, it, it'd be like your hotel might be like a hundred dollars a day if you stayed two nights, but it'd be like fifty dollars a day if you stayed a week, kind of thing. So, yep. Uh, there's that. The issue is like kind of getting getting different industries to cooperate because even though it's like it's kind of a prisoner's dilemma because even though it will benefit everyone if everyone does that. Like if everyone encourages long-term tourism, it it might not. It's not worth it for the individual hotel, for example, to to offer that kind of discount. And it might be more worth it for them individually to appeal to more shorter-term tourists. Right. And then there's also Airbnb. Airbnb is also a huge, a huge drain on that. Right. I mean, they've it's it's taken a lot of
1: backlash too
0: with the COVID restrictions regulations. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in some ways it's uh, like the main backbone of Airbnbs, which was essentially like turning condo buildings into like legally gray hotels has kind of backfired on them.
1: Right. I mean, and also people are trying to stay on their feet and pay for bills, find ways to Just keep, keep you, a roof under it, their head.
0: Yeah, exactly. But Yeah, exactly. So like if you have, um, if you have Airbnbs um, taking up, uh, taking up condo buildings, then it, it increases rent prices and housing prices in these cities that suffer from over-tourism. Like, for for example, Paris or Barcelona or Venice. Because you, you can't really get an apartment because it's all just taken up by Airbnbs. Because yep. people are more willing to pay for a hotel than... Uh, Deal with that. Yeah, then yeah, or, or they generate more money from the condo being essentially a hotel than a long-term rental. And uh, we, we had that in Toronto where um, the Ice Tower... Uh, is is essentially just a hotel. Yeah. It's 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 entirely rented out as Airbnbs to um, uh to tourists and parties. We knew someone who lived there, but I we just not name it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh he who must not be named. Sorry, another thing um, uh, countries are trying to do to discourage over-tourism in, like, one place. So, um, one of the things that countries have been doing to fight over tourism, basically um, apply the principle of getting tourists to stay longer, but applying it on a nationwide scale. Instead of uh, staying in Paris, for example, they'd want you to stay in other parts of France. So, kind of travel around the country... Stay in different parts of the country and spread those tourism dollars around. Right, so it's not so dense in one place. Exactly. So, um, you know, instead of uh, instead of just staying in Paris, like maybe you go to La Rochelle, or, or La Rochelle is a bad example because it's on the coast, but uh, maybe go to um, I don't know Rouen or something like that, or uh, Boulogne-sur-Mer. <laughs> Sorry, my French is terrible. <laughs> yeah, like there's uh, hundreds of small towns like all across France that all have like beautiful medieval cathedrals, beautiful countryside, beautiful museums, that sort of thing. And, you, you know, encouraging people to see those instead of just... The main to attractions. And crowding. Yeah, and, and like crowding the Eiffel Tower, posing for photos, <laughs> leaning on leaning on it. Um, they're trying to get people <laughs> to like kind of spread out and uh and it's and i i would encourage people to do that because it's um it's pretty easy to go just a little outside of paris to the small towns around it by train uh, like it costs almost nothing like uh um, one uh one town uh, that i think has been trying to do this and i think has had some success is uh beauvais uh so like beauvais is like maybe a hundred kilometers north of paris yeah or north of the outskirts of paris and uh, they have an airport there, um, and it's like a, a, an alternative to uh, flying out of Charles de Gaulle. So, but you can fly all over Europe from Beauvais Airport, and uh, you can catch and you can catch a like a commuter train to there. Uh, but it has a beautiful cathedral, like medieval cathedral called Saint Pierre there, and it's it's gorgeous. Like it's it's as gorgeous, if not more beautiful than Notre Dame, but. So what they've what they've had success in doing is have people fly from Paris or to Paris through their airport and like just commute to and right. from the city, but like spend some time in Beauvais, like looking around at things, like just while you're here, you know, it's a beautiful little town. So it's a uh, that's one of the tactics they've used. So they they just have an alternative airport that people can use to get to and from Paris, but like they just kind of like. Lure them in with that, and then you can stay for a little bit, see all the sights. Obviously, that can't work for everyone because I mean, you're gonna have like there, there's there's plenty of towns that aren't close to Paris. Like um, I don't know, like uh, get getting people to go see Toulouse instead instead of Paris, kind of thing. Like you, you you won't towns around there probably won't be able to use their proximity to Paris and like having a cheaper airport to, like, leverage it so tourists right. come there. But this There should be options to incentivize checking out the smaller places. Exactly. It's, it, I think it you know, it'd lead to a richer tourism experience. It would go easier on the people of Paris and, you, you know, it would uh, spread the tourism dollars around. Especially places like Europe where the economies are so centralized in their large capital cities. Like, especially Britain and France. So much of their economies are centralized in Paris and London, respectively. Reverse, respectively. You, you know, it, it's probably good for the society as a whole to have economic power shift a little more to smaller cities. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't especially want to go to Manchester. So, <laughs> <nah>. <laughs> right. I mean, so, those mean, are
1: all our potential I mean, goals. Not for England when traveling is an option. Yeah,
0: that's it. See, okay so here's the thing i've never understood people come to toronto as tourists yep. why
1: why not what do you mean why it's just like any other city it's got its appeal and
0: attractions well, I, I don't know but like i just like is it the shopping is it the sites? is it like like I, I got it when like we had like the, la- the tallest building in the world like that's that's something to see but like i don't know there's a like I I like living here. It's just like I I don't really see a reason. Probably could you that. live here? Yeah, that's true. It, it could be that, but like I don't know. I think if I didn't live here, I I don't think I would come here. You you wouldn't visit? Like
1: I mean, I'm sure people no, people I don't
0: see think. it public or people from Toronto and
1: it's like synonymous with Canada, so they're like, let's check out Toronto and see how it is.
0: Maybe it's just. I kind of feel like the same way, like, there's, like, there's not a whole lot of reasons for me to visit, like, Columbus, Ohio. Right. Like, other than Guy Fieri is from there. Like, there's enough reasons for me to, like, visit New York. Watch, like, okay, but maybe it's, like, that's just me. Like, I I like to, I'm a history nerd tourist. So, like, I, I like to look at the, at the museums and the old buildings and, you know. The sites where so and so got killed, or where so and sos That's why you was, wouldn't visit Toronto because we're not such and such historically yeah, yeah. significant yeah, to you. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, I guess. Yeah. If if we're if, when it comes down to it, maybe that's the only reason. Like, cause, you know, I, I don't I don't care as much about shopping, though. Food, in terms of food, Eddie Huang did say we were like tied for first as the best food city in North America. We do have
1: a lot of options because of how culturally yeah. diverse we are.
0: Yeah, so that's cool. But then on the other hand, I think, like, well, if I come to Toronto for Indian food, I might as well go to India.
1: Right, but then in India, you can just yeah, I mean. get
0: Indian food, whereas
1: in Toronto, you can get a bunch <laughs> of different other foods.
0: Yeah, that's true. I uh, I got, uh, when I was in Paris, I got Laotian food. Good, that was an experience.
1: It's good to explore and try well, new things.
0: Taste. Yeah. I, yeah, I just yeah maybe i think you're right maybe it's just because i live here that i just don't care it's like oh what what the hell this is this isn't special this is just where i live
1: so yeah going back to uh
0: working at home
1: in offices you have any reason of going back do you want to go back do you prefer working at home or not
0: oh see yeah that's the thing i feel like like part of me wants to go back um because you know just add structure to my yep. day a little bit like and but more importantly, it like properly delineates what is work time and what is leisure time and, and <laughs> personal time, which and and that and that cuts both ways. In that, like, I I have to like like I don't I don't get distracted with personal tasks. Like I, I don't know, like like a package just arrived for me, or like I feel like I gotta do or like making food when or when I am at home distractions, TV or yeah, exactly like social media, Yeah, exactly, or or like I notice my. Uh, like my shelf is dusty and I got to go dust it before I um, get onto a Zoom call. I continue with my work. Yeah, it, it blurs it both ways. And then on the other hand, like if work goes, if, if you have a lot of work, it's easy to just like work the whole night and then not you know, separate you know. the two yet. Exactly. And 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 it, it's good to have that separation, I think, because like otherwise, like, you know, you just like move from your desk. To and you stay at your desk, you know, to watch YouTube videos or Netflix and just the whole day, just oh, yeah, 100%. Like,
1: helps with your mental health and like been yeah. moving from like a kitchen to like a living. What helps you yeah, exactly. because you don't see yourself like in the same spot for the whole entire day and then having to live there, yeah.
0: Like, because I, I, I had a week where I, I had a lot of work and um, you know, I, I worked late most nights and like I really fully lost track of what right. day it was, like, and which day was which, because they all just blended together. I thought, like, oh god, it's only it's only Tuesday, and it turns out it was Thursday. Because, yeah. like, there was no, like, distinguishing feature of one day or another. So, it, I think I'm going to enjoy it going back. On the other hand, have I ever gone on a rant against open concept <laughs> I don't think so, but I have my take on that, too. I am not into open concept offices. I want my cubicle, I want to be left alone. Like, more, like, Nothing helps me work more than just being left alone to work in in private kind of thing. And I feel like I work best in a cubicle. But, you know, if I go back and I don't have a cubicle and I have an open concept office space, I, I, I don't know if I'll be as productive as I am at my home office.
1: I mean, for
0: me, having worked in both environments, corporate and creative,
1: I personally like cubicles in some sense because obviously the silence and like being, getting more work done, more focused. But then on the creative side, like if you have all your team right beside it, you can just ask them for questions or like get them to look at your screen for advice or whatnot. So it helps in that regards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, so I, I'm at the point where like, I, I teach my coworkers like I answer more questions than I ask. Yep. So it's a, I, I, and you know, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to limit, uh, the time I spend answering questions to like designated times during the day. And that's, I feel like that's easy, that might be easier at, in a home office setting. But I, I could
1: be wrong on that. I mean, yeah, I mean, but, there's pros and cons to both sides. The, the open concept also, it's really noisy offices. Yeah. And, you know, from like telephone going off to people's conversations, which is why a lot of open oh, concept offices, everyone's just on their headphones because. You just either trying to drown out the noise around them to focus, oh, yeah. whereas a cubicle, you can kind of stay silent and focus on what's inside, what's
0: important. Exactly, yeah. Which you know, I I bought my like full head headphones, so I'll be able to do that, man. So if your office like if, if your office decides like a, they have like a no headphones rule, and they're open concept, fuck, it. <laughs> like that's. That is sadistic. That is. That is <laughs> yeah.
1: Didn't you get in like shit that. for wearing headphones?
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I did uh, one time. Which, like, you know, uh, in in fairness, in fairness to that time, I did have my own office, so like, I was like listening to headphones on my own. But he also office. had like other people so, working within
1: that office too. Did you not?
0: Uh, the time I got in trouble for that, I don't know <laughs> if I did or not. <laughs> But, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, you know what, sure, I had a nice silent office, like, I didn't really need them for distractions. At that point, like, I was just finding the silence distracting, so, like, I was listening to music while I was was working away, but, like, you know, I don't really care for no headphones rules generally, because, you know, whatever helps you work, helps you work. And you know, I think people just need to be kind. Con- like, obviously, there's exceptions to that. Like, if you're a retail worker, uh, you you don't want retail workers who should be answering customer qu- questions wearing. Right, it's based on the like, the business. The like,
1: if it's right. customer facing, you don't want yeah. people distracted and like doing their own thing. You want them attentive. Yeah,
0: but the most egregious uh, wrong is to have open concept and a, a no headphone yeah open concept and a no headphone. like that's 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 just sadistic right i mean it depends also on also the, the environment too a lot of the maybe
1: older generation might think like oh they're on their headphones they're not really doing work they're just goofing off not paying attention yeah which, which they can be I but mean, i mean I at guess. the same time you want to drown out some of that noise and try to focus
0: yeah i think it's generally just bad for morale to like have people feel like they're being watched and scrutinized all the time. Like, you know, not that they're like the quality of their work is being scrutinized, but like their activity is being scrutinized. Like people don't like having managers like over their shoulders, like telling them like, get to work, do this, do that. You should be working on this. Like, I don't know. I, um... no one wants someone to
1: micromanage their workload.
0: Exactly. Like no one, no one likes being micromanaged. And it, like, and I understand on a psychological level why people think they have to micromanage because they think nothing will get done otherwise. But on the other hand, like I think it's it's bad for morale, and it's like it teaches people to look busy, not to to be not busy, necessarily yeah. that to yeah to be busy. So I I personally don't think it's it's good for an office, and you don't want your workers to resent being there.
1: Right, and think that they're always being watched and being able to do a job.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, if wearing the headphones, like, helps them get through the day, like, it's, I think that's probably not a bad... Right, thing. I
1: mean if the work's not affected, then why not?
0: No, exactly. And, and I get, like, maybe you can't always monitor that or quantify that, so, like, you just you're just kind of going off it intuitively that, you know, oh, if they're doing, if they're listening, they're not. Um, they're not actually doing focus right yeah so like so but it's that's based on an assumption not necessarily reality what's happening on reality yeah i'm just gonna see if there's any studies on that uh let's see Surprising results on wearing headphones and productivity. Trying to... Okay, co workers are actually one of the biggest sources of distraction. Yeah, that, well, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's what this study is saying. Like, as opposed to. Um... Okay, yeah, so th- this study's claiming that co workers are the biggest kid dis- source of distraction in the workplace, not headphones. So it's a. Uh... This one is pro headphones. Right.
1: Also, I think the whole open concept versus cubicle you're kind of less likely to bug someone if they're in a cubicle and especially if you're on like maybe the other side of an office kind of have to yeah. make sure your question is important enough
0: to ask them something
1: otherwise it's just like
0: yeah it puts like enough of a barrier that you have to this worth
1: bugging them or like asking my question whereas with open concept it's just like they're just readily available so they'll just ask on
0: a whim. See, so that's a point against working from home, right? Because you just ask people on Microsoft or Teams or Slack or whichever or Skype or whichever thing, whatever thing you use, and uh, you know it takes five seconds. So you can, so you can bug someone. Right, same network. thing as an open concept. Yeah, yeah. No, so that, so that's something I've been, I've been dealing with. It, it, it's and it's not just uh, like my team. We have a lot of new people, like all yep. at once and uh i'm one of the more senior people on the team so like i i do get asked like a lot of questions and i don't i don't resent the people for asking because um you know they don't know i've also gotten a million questions from other people and you know they're being they're not being irresponsible with their questions it's just it adds up yeah and you can get overloaded like, with all the other questions that you guys are answer. to yeah, and then you spend fifteen minutes answering someone's question, and then the next person, and then the next person, and then, and the then you actually have work to do. Time. So exactly, and then yeah, you spend it. so like like it. That's actually v- something I found is actually pretty tricky. Like prioritize your own yeah. workload. Like, and and I've come to realize like I have to put more into my own work because like no one's actually no one's going to do my exactly.
1: Work. So you're you're spending more working so, than so like
0: I have to be responsible. if you were working in an office. Yeah. So though maybe if I would yeah maybe if I was in an office like um you know people would see that uh oh I can't bug him someone or he's not at his at his right desk now.
1: so I can't really ask him that I got to figure it out on my own
0: I don't know yeah exactly which
1: yeah so that's
0: and that's like um that's another thing I've been trying to figure out um in how to balance like when you uh, mentor someone at, at your work and you're trying to teach them how to do things it, it's tricky to kind of balance like okay I want to be able to help this person and like i want to be able to show them how to do this thing but if uh figure it out on themselves first yeah to you know do this on try it on their own first yeah like maybe i'm not actually helping this person by like holding their hand through it and telling them how to do it like it's like it's probably going to be better yeah that's one of the things i found found out that's really tough remotely
1: with mentoring like a lot of creatives and interns it's just a lot of them need a little bit of hand-holding but at the same time like you want them to try to try something out themselves and then ask a question how come this didn't work whereas you can't really do that now remotely a lot of times there's a lot of like screen sharing so like you can show them oh this is how i got to this result yeah in person you can just show them really quickly they can figure it out yeah exactly. it takes more time
0: yeah so it, it takes it takes more time yeah yeah so, yeah, like, you know, you get one half hour meeting and then one half hour meeting and then one half hour meeting. Like I said, like, it's like, if you could get your work done in six of the eight hours a day, uh, but like, then all of a sudden you have like three hours worth of questions, then it becomes tricky. Yeah. So it's a uh, balancing how to teach, balancing how to teach people at work is, is tricky. It's, and it's a new experience for me. So it's it's something I'm trying to learn the ins and outs of and kind of feel my right. way. So I'm having to figure this. So out. Now that we were
1: working from home, do you think that <laughs> like there's no such thing now as like work culture? Uh,
0: no, I think I think like places that. So okay, so uh, I started my job at the beginning of quarantine. So I've never in been an office,
1: and what's that like? Job.
0: Exactly. So as far as I can tell, like I, I still see like there's a work culture that kind of comes through in terms of like y- y- you know we, we try and have meetings, we try and do fun things together. I don't know if that's something that they maybe they just developed it recently. Or... Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, to like help people cope, with manage, that yep. like still like kind of keep in touch. But uh, so like I, I'm sure it probably suffered a little bit uh just from people not being around each other but you you know i i like the work culture at my company like i think people are people are helpful people are friendly like it it's it feels like people aren't in it for themselves and that sort of thing so it's uh shows that like people have your back exactly like i think uh my works managed to foster a good work culture while i've um like while i've been there but and the irony of it all is like i'm i'm not really a person who believed in work culture before this yeah like i I, am sure you have your own take on this because you're you're kind of a booster of that but i uh like i i didn't really believe in work culture like i thought it was mostly just like i thought it was just marketing like you know we say like oh we have a great work culture and it's just like it's like how every job every job description says competitive pay or something to that effect like no no job description says just like a a disclaimer that can get you interested exactly like it's uh, like it's kind of i thought it was just kind of like standard corpo speak that uh, you you know you had to say you had a positive corporate culture but like and but now i like working at one place versus working at another place i've noticed like 100% a lot of places do have a better corporate culture than the other though both will the claim, same thing that they have exactly so it's it's really hard i think it's i think it's impossible to tell at least from yeah no 100% behind, like whether they're legitimate
1: talked to a lot of recruiters and hr individuals and it's like that's one of the main things that you really can't uh, describe you, you just really have to work there and understand what that culture is a lot of cultures aren't oh, yeah. great And even though they say they are, a lot of companies aren't collaborative, even though every company I've worked at says that they're collaborative and people will help you out if you need it, which is not true at all. But I mean, (laughs) you have to, and the only way I found that out was by working. You see, obviously, various groups that form and who are willing to help and people who aren't. And, you know, someone's, some of the, mentioned to you before that, like, work culture wasn't even a thing, like, maybe five, ten years ago, no one knew what that was. I remember talking to interviewing someone and I asked them like what the work culture was and they had no idea what I was talking about. They're just like, Yeah, we know we talk to each other once in a while. I'm like, it's not really work culture. I don't know if you're selling your company well during this interview yeah. and she just fumbled and didn't know what she was talking about. But yeah, now not, not sure, all yeah. these companies try to kind of evoke that they're collaborative, but you really have to kind of work there to get a gist of Who your employees
0: are yeah well um a lot of companies um i've seen like in their work culture they'll have like some kind of acronym or like five company values or something like that and um you know even if you read them and agree with them they're like generally uncontroversial (laughs) points so like you can't really derive any real information from them because you know it doesn't matter like whether that rule is on the books what matters is like whether or not that's implied or
1: like force reinforced
0: yeah implemented yeah so i've grown to having so i think like my current job is my first experience with uh, what i think is or what i feel to be is a genuinely positive work culture and it's made me appreciate much more its impact because so for example um i i get emails from recruiters sometimes and normally and usually i don't uh bother with them too much. These days I don't at all because I'm pretty happy with where I work. Yeah. But it it got me thinking uh because so if I look at a job and you know it pays a little bit more, um has slightly better benefits and you know I'm obviously qualified to do it, had I been at a company that I hated working at and had a bad corporate culture, I wouldn't have given it a second thought. Like it's like okay, I'm going to get more money and get away from these these guys like sign me up i'm i'm going but now my bar is much much higher because you have that experience you know what it's like but there's a risk to it there's a risk to leaving your job like once you find a good corporate culture um we've been talking about how it's hard to to find if a corporate culture is good whether you work unless you work there so you cannot you can't tell looking at the company website you can't tell Looking at any reviews or anything um, yeah. at, at the at the job, district exactly you can only really tell from working there. So uh, the risk of me losing the positive corporate culture is huge, and what that means is like if if I've like if there's a job that offers that basically gives me the same role but offers me, me a little bit more money, like I won't risk it because you know what you have the risk yeah. exactly because like the risk of leaving my good uh, leaving my good team that I like is too great because I have no way of knowing if the team I'm going to will be good and like I, and I'm not going to say like I'm going to just stay in my job forever because um, like because I like my team and I fear losing my team but my threshold for what would motivate me to leave my team is much higher like I'd have to I'd have to make significantly more money to think about leaving this job, because
1: of that. Right, and you never know. Like your new opportunity could be more pay, but you could have like a really toxic boss who exactly really tough to work with, and that ends up leaving you wanting to leave that company because you can't deal with the boss, but the pay is.
0: Exactly. And so, and so, like, I have to evaluate that risk, and I have to think, like, the amount of money I have to make at a new job would have to be enough that I could withstand the risk of... All that toxicity. Uh, of, 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 yeah. Of, whereas, like, if I already have, a like, a, a toxic boss or a boss I hate, like, that's not even a consideration. Because, like, if it's as bad as here, at least I'll make more money. Right. I mean, they, they say that people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah yes and no like i've definitely i've definitely left a job before because i've done both i i have done both i've i've worked at uh two jobs i i would say were pretty high stress jobs and um and, and in one of those jobs like i had a boss i i actually liked a lot um because it was my first job out of university he took a chance on me he was uh really nice but the job was very high stress. So in that case, I left the job. But in other circumstances, you're definitely right. But
1: were the high stress because uh, of your workload or just because of what was demanded from you?
0: It was like the workload and the nature of the work kind right. of thing. So uh, it was it was both of those things. Which um, like, and that's not really my boss's fault. Um, though my role probably should have been split into a few different roles, and as it turns out, it later was. Right. But like, you know, they they needed like a separate person running orders and a separate person handling customer orders and a separate person, uh, doing the right. Process.
1: So it's also so, like a company management issue, too.
0: Which, fair enough, fair enough. Um, it was definitely like in my brain, it was mostly so, so yeah, you're right from that perspective. Like, you, you know, management could have made changes that made my job better. This, but, this new guy's
1: being overworked.
0: Yeah, and, uh, but I, yeah, that was a case, I, I definitely felt I was, more, but despite all that, I think I mostly hated the job, Yeah, but, um, it, rather than, like, the circumstances of the job, hmm. but, yeah, in other cases, I have definitely just left a boss, because I, I didn't really hate the work I was doing, uh, like, and it's similar to the job I got afterwards, yep. Um, it was. It was really that was entirely about the environment. It, it's uh, which again is
1: is what work culture is, right? And you can only yeah. gauge that once you're there.
0: Yeah, and and you know, like I said, I wasn't a believer before, but that's because I never experienced what I think was a positive, or like an exceptionally positive work environment. Right. And uh, but now that I've experienced, I'm totally a believer. Like it, it, it adds, like and it's I think it's important for employers to understand it because it's it's something that's hard to quali- to quantify but and I think companies don't like to do things that they can't quantify like like how do you quantify They um, need reasoning like, and data being supportive now, so exactly yeah defended. exactly how do you, how do you quantify being supportive or teamwork or things like that but um, but it, it's nonetheless it's important like in terms of just in terms of employee uh, retention. Like it adds so much. Like it adds so much unseen value that people are willing to stay at their jobs because they don't want to risk losing uh, the positive work environment. There's a value to that. Like there's definitely a monetary value to that. It's just hard to put to paper, right? Or kind of explain
1: that to potential candidates
0: because it's yeah, exactly. more of a it, experienced all... thing. Than... Yeah, qualitative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could quantify it in terms of like employee satisfaction surveys, that sort of thing. But um, it, it, it's a uh, it, it's trick. It's def- i would I would say it's definitely trickier than hard numbers. But like, I mean, if you if you tried something and you could you could still extract data from it in terms of like employee satisfaction, employee retention, that sort of thing. Productivity, so like, It's something you could yeah. So you can quantify the results of it. It's just it, it's it's difficult. It's, it's more difficult than just simply paying people or numbers
1: or is it the more benefits you're going to get vacation days
0: i yeah and i think i'm 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 i've become a, a bigger believer in the importance of employee morale and i think that's something people have overlooked because it's not it's not a number
1: and then from just the numbers sense that a lot of recruiters know it's just it's more expensive to hire someone and then them leaving and hire someone new than to
0: keep someone yeah exactly like it's always more expensive to same with the same thing with marketing i'm sure everyone knows like it's more expensive to get new customers than to retain old customers but uh like for employees probably more so because like at least you know you don't have to spend all that downtime kind of getting them up to speed teaching them how to work like you don't lose all those months of productivity like getting up to speed i don't know how long it takes for an employee on in the average job to like kind of get up to speed but it's definitely a couple months depends on the job yeah yeah it depends on the job but like it's definitely a little bit like before you have the experience necessary to like kind of do things on your own and be at 100% and feel
1: comfortable and then if you're not then having to do that all over again with someone new
0: exactly and then you know it's you need you need the sometimes they might have skill sets that like other people on the team don't have so like if you lose them then you lose that knowledge that you didn't know you needed until that person's gone like um i was working somewhere and uh, this one woman ran uh did all of these reports uh for the company and no one else knew how they worked and she left to go to a different job and she had only a couple weeks to teach you to teach me how to yeah. do yeah how to do all those reports which i ended up having to do which but like the issue was is they were quarterly reports so um they don't need to be done uh, at a certain time yeah and so like i only i can i've only practiced doing them quarterly like in three yeah in three months i'd only have done it once so it's the catch-up time on that productivity is even longer right so it's um yeah i think people undervalue more culture work culture yeah and i i would not have said that uh two years ago because like, now you're in a
1: situation where it's you actually know what yeah, it's like.
0: Yeah, and yeah, now I'm a believer. Like, and before I before I would have said, no, it's all bullshit. All companies are the same. They they all say that they're doing the same thing, but they don't actually. And so, don't even pay attention to it. Only pay attention to the money. The issue now is like I I, I now value work culture, but I still don't know how to. Um, Assess a company before taking a job. Oh, maybe check those glass door reviews.
1: <laughs> I don't think they tell anything. You don't think? No.
0: Like just because, like, well,
1: I mean, I've seen a lot of negative reviews on good companies and vice versa. Okay. But yeah. for me, I mean, I worked a lot of jobs in different industries, and there's no way you can tell good culture from a bad one until you actually get the job and work there.
0: Yeah. I. You know what? I'm. I'm trying to. And I've
1: been in situations where. company had really great work culture and then certain individuals left the company and then it was really bad afterwards
0: okay so do you think that like so i always wondered like i don't actually know how to implement a good work culture that's not a thing like as as, even though now i understand like it's important i still don't fully understand I, i still don't fully understand how it's implemented and what the unfortunate thing about it is it makes me think that maybe it's not the company's policy itself that's driving this. Maybe it's like individual managers. Right. Yeah, it depends on so if the company, too. If it's personality-driven, then it's precarious. Like, then you're not actually... Like, if it's personality-driven, then it's not actually a good company culture. It's just one good manager.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, it depends on... this company that I worked at, there was no company-driven more culture kind of initiative it was just like these individuals that took it among themselves to do group sessions or like go out treat someone to birthday get together and now like yeah. companies have that like as like mandatory things just to give a shit and apply to a job they'll ask you for like your birthday just as like a backup yeah we care about you but we won't really do anything until it's your birthday
0: yeah it's uh so it's weird it, it's tricky because like Sincerity is very hard to gauge, right. like because um, like something can something like sincerity isn't like something quantifiable. It's a feeling. Like something feels sincere or or doesn't. So like you you know, a uh, like a, a birthday party can feel like sincerely they care about uh, like they care about you and the work you're doing. Plus it's personal, but it can right? Can also feel fun, right? Yeah, yeah yeah it it feel it could feel totally phony but yeah it's 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 hard yeah i mean
1: you can never really tell if it's like company driven or like an individual just really cares about like your well-being and launches an initiative to like keep people's morale high
0: yeah yeah and it's but like then if you see that it's just due to like like if you see like oh they're they're doing this instead of like giving us better hours or better pay, then it's, uh, I don't know. Hard, um, it, it can come across as insincere and then it does nothing. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, uh, this is a, uh, something someone more qualified than I would, uh, would have to uh, write books on. And even then it might not even work. <laughs> right. I mean, are you
1: in a place in your company to like do initiatives like that? Or is it more like, corporate down, this is what we do as a company, because that's how you launch these work culture morale initiatives is some like honestly on the creative side it's mostly individual based but then once they see that everyone is a lot more happier and productive it becomes more of a company thing. Yeah, if, and- if no
0: one Speaks
1: up or launches, and they just keep doing it the yeah. same way.
0: Yeah, like directors see their manager doing it this way, and their team's doing well, so like they get all the other managers to do it a particular way. So it, you know, it does it. It goes bottom up, then right trickle, trickle. Yeah, yeah, it spreads that way. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that makes sense. But uh, so, like, back to the back to the reviews thing. So. I feel like glean a little bit of insight because like always there's going to be the disgruntled employee who just um, hates because they
1: got laid up or something
0: exactly like they they did something and got fired or like because they just left now they're or like had a bad experience they're leaving and it's not necessarily reflective of a typical experience at the place so like I think like in that sense it might um like it might drive it down uh i feel like there's um there's definitely a line if you it, like the, if you see a pattern of people like and it's not just like and it's not just like uh anomalies then i think you can determine that uh you, you could find some red flags and it, it also depends on on how specific their complaints are so like there there's a there's a je ne sais quoi about uh, there's a ne sais quoi about, um, companies, uh, about companies about um, companies approval ratings on Glassdoor because I I think there is you can tell on the extreme ends for example I'm looking at two companies I've worked at before uh, one of the companies has four star ratings so. Their their rating is four stars on Glassdoor. Eighty one percent would recommend to a friend. Ninety four percent approve the CEO. So to me, what that tells me is like, you know, it's mostly good, and you know, there's like the anomalous few people with a bad experience. Sure. Um, Whereas another company I've worked for, their rating on Glassdoor is less than two stars. So uh, it's like. In that case, I would I would suspect something is amiss. Right, be cautious. Like it, just just given the consistency of of negative reviews.
1: But I mean, also I think just with any kind of
0: review platform, whether it's
1: Google or Glassdoor, you can also have positive reviews of people who don't even work there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And maybe and maybe that's um maybe that's a symptom of like large companies versus small companies that uh, large companies can pay their HR team to create lots and lots of fake accounts to flood it with uh, positive. with positive reviews whereas um, others uh, others would not. Right Perhaps and
1: they might so. not care and even know
0: yeah, they might not care yeah whereas like larger companies are more sensitive to yeah more sensitive to their social media image. So yeah, it's a. I think I'm a little more conscientious of Glassdoor reviews just because, like, I think it could have saved me a lot of trouble previously.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I think yeah. you working at say a bad place definitely helps you too because you're able to gauge what's not great about a company, and then now you know what to look for.
0: Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. It's a. Uh, it's hard, you know, because like I, I did, I did, uh, I, I, I did think before like okay it's you know it's only going to be disgruntled employees and you know in in some cases that's true and you, you know bigger companies can just add a million positive reviews to like mess up their numbers and make it disproportionately positive right but i think you can i think you can kind of tell just like qualitative like human beings can i think can kind of tell what comments are sincere what comments aren't and like what kind of feel manufactured by um, what kind of feel manufactured by um, marketing and what kind of feel sincere yep so yeah it's a it's a tricky it's tricky but i think you can you can gain valuable information from the reviews like e- even if you can't look at them at face value you can use them for information Right. All right. Uh, I think we'll stop that there. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to follow us on social media at podcast underscore above on Twitter and the Above Average podcast everywhere else. Uh, and tune in now for our next episode on my conspiracy theory about parallel media outlets. Have a good one.